Welcome to the Pastor's Cut Podcast. This is uh, our podcast that goes with the Pastor's Cut. That's why it's called the Pastor's Cut Podcast. And just before we started recording, um, Dave and I are sitting here. We're still minus Marissa. Marissa's here in spirit, I'm sure. While she's off in Israel with Israel. Eric Costanzo. Man, don't like that guy. So <laughs> she, she's off and, and she'll be back soon. Uh, but just before we punched record, Brad told a dad joke. Um, so, so Brad, go ahead and tell us the, the dad joke. What do you call a camel with no hump? What do you call a camel with no hump? What, what do you call him, Brad? Humphrey. <laughs> you could work that into a sermon if you wanted to. I could work that into a sermon if I wanted to be booed off stage is what I could do. <laughs> So this is why, Brad, we leave his microphone off. I'm now turning my mic off. Thank you very much. He's our wonderful engineer. And uh, so there, you know, bad jokes. There, there's bad jokes, there's dad jokes, and there's Brad jokes. And Brad, Ouch. Brad's got a lot of them. A lot of them. Okay. So, um, so we're at a little bit of an interlude right now. We've been doing a teaching series on Luke since the beginning of the year, culminating with, with Easter and Luke 24 and Jesus walking with his disciples to Emmaus. Uh, so we're taking a couple of weeks, just a bit of a breather, uh, because we're ramping up, and May 15th, we're going to start a new teaching series on anxiety. And I contend that there are two major emotions in our culture right now, anxiety and anger. Those two are just everywhere, everywhere. So um, I think it's beneficial as followers of Jesus. We look at those two things very carefully. Um and what we're going to do with anxiety, we're going to start that teaching series on May 15th. We're going to call it Lessons from the End of the Rope because there's seven people in the Bible who asked God to kill them. They'd gotten... In fact, Dave, let's do a little quiz here. Can you name one of those people? I've cheated and I've looked at the list. Oh, man, but, you cheated. Okay. Um, let's say Moses. Moses. Moses got so fed up with people, he said, God, kill me now. Amen. Kill me now, you know. Jeremiah is another one. Elijah. Elijah is another one. So there are several people, you know, and Elijah is kind of the quintessential one. He just got so strung out and burned out. It's one of the greatest moments of his life, and then, boom, he goes down into depression. So um, so we're going to do a teaching series on this. We're going to be handing out invitation cards on Sunday. I would encourage you to invite people because anxiety is where we live, and if God can call these seven people back from the cliff, back from the edge, I think he can call us back too. So that'll begin May 18th, uh, excuse me, May 15th. So in the interim for three Sundays, April 24th, May 1st, May 8th, we're just kind of doing a, a favorite verse. I uh, have a couple different teachers on Sunday morning, favorite verses from the scripture. I get to choose first, and so I chose Isaiah 42:16. And before we even read it, I want Dave just to tell the story of why this verse is important to him. And I didn't know this, choosing this verse. Yeah, that's what's funny. I didn't text you till this morning just sharing with you this my, my story with this passage. So I was interviewing at First Baptist Tulsa for the discipleship pastor position, 
as I was interviewing on my first flight back to Phoenix, I sat next to a guy who goes to a church in Waco, Texas that I had attended when I was in Waco, Texas, Antioch. And so I started talking with him. I'm interviewing here and we exchange numbers. We text back and forth. We're praying for each other for different things. He texts me um, about a week and a half later and says, hey, I want to share with you a passage that that I believe is what God wants to do with you in, in this church. And that's this particular verse that, that God, um, he believed God had called him. And I started praying through this and, and wrestling through it and felt the same thing that God wanted to use me to help lead our church family into greater intimacy with the Lord, that there was something about that. And this passage really points towards that in a lot of ways, that even though there's a lot of things going on around and I'm leading into us reading the verse, but doesn't matter what's going on around us, that God will still lead us through anything and everything to find hope in him. And the more I I prayed over that, I felt like that resonated very well with what I'm called to do here, to help people find new levels of dependence on God and intimacy with God. There you go. And I I affirm that, Dave. So so go ahead and read Isaiah 42, 16. And um, by the way, when we get into the anxious series, I'm going to encourage people every week to memorize one verse of Scripture to, to equip their minds, to equip their, their soul to be ready to handle anxiety. Um, this is a verse worth memorizing. So, Dave, close your eyes and say it from memory. I'm just kidding. You don't have it by memory. But why don't you <laughs> don't. Just, just read Psalm 42.16. Isaiah 42.16. Isaiah, right? Did I say something else? You said Psalm. So Psalm, just whatever. making sure. I know. Psalm, Isaiah, John. Is there a difference between the two books, Psalm and Isaiah? I thought they were the same one. Yeah, they, they are kind of the same. Okay, they're, they're both Psalm-like. So. Yeah. You know, I get all my sermons off the internet anyway, so I don't really... Never mind. <laughs> I don't. I don't. No, I, he doesn't. Pastors don't plagiarize. Pastors should not plagiarize. Go. Isaiah forty-two sixteen. I will lead the blind by the way... Or, excuse me. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. So so I think it's always wise whenever we take a, a verse out of context. In fact, I've, I've just finished a book uh, by Dan Kemble called How Not to Read the Bible. And it's it really is uh, quite insightful. We take some of the most difficult passages of the Bible. He says, never read just one verse because it's so easy to take a verse out of context. Never read one verse. You have to take the whole context. So we've gotten ourselves into trouble sometimes by taking one verse and ignoring what's happening around this. So this is Isaiah. The Assyrians are the bullies on the block. They have come in and they have conquered the northern kingdom. They're eyeballing the southern kingdom of Judah. Changing times, very unsettling days. And this is the part of Isaiah, what we call the servant songs or the servant psalms. And who is the servant? Um, could be the nation of Israel as a whole. Um, of course, prophetically, we say this is Jesus. This defines who he is. But in a way, we are all to be servants of the Lord. And mm-hmm. so this is a promise within the larger context of times are changing, times are challenging, but you are still my child. Yes. And even in the middle of all of that, this tension with Assyria, you also have Babylon that's rising into yep. power and influence. Hezekiah, who was the king of Judah at the time that Isaiah was prophesying, Hezekiah actually brought Nebuchadnezzar's um, 
officials through the entire courthouse. And so it's somewhere in the middle of all of that that, that we have this passage taking place. Yeah, what a dope. Why did he do that? Like, here's these foreign powers that he knows can wipe them out. And he's just showing off, hey, look look at all this cool stuff. Look at all these treasures that we have here. Yeah, how, how foolish, right? Yeah. But, you know, that's what ego does. We think we're the best on the block, and we're, we're usually not. So fortunately for Hezekiah, I mean, the Babylonians would come in, but not during his lifetime. So he seemed rather happy about that. Yeah, I don't know that I would have been too happy about that personally. I, if... If I had prayed and God changed his perspective on when the timeline for that would have happened, I think I would have prayed again and asked for more. But that's yeah. now we're jumping into something beyond this passage. Sometimes long, long view people are in short supply. And so that was certainly the case of Hezekiah. So, um, so you have a really an imminent invasion hanging over your head. In the middle of that, God makes this promise. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn their darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do, and I will not forsake them. So as we look at this passage uh, on April 24th, I want to kind of break this down a little bit because um, th- there's some problems here. There's some anxiety. There's some concerns I- internally. Um, you know, God God calls his people blind, not not judgment. This is not you're willfully blind. It's just you lack the inability. You lack the ability to see the future. So God points out the people's inability. He also points out their ignorance along unfamiliar paths, or maybe a better word is inexperience. So this is just a great reminder here that we do not have the ability or the experience to handle life on our own. But even then, God says, you know, you may be blind, but I'm going to lead you. You may be walking unfamiliar roads that you don't have experience on, but I will guide you. And then not only is there inability and inexperience, but also they are overwhelmed by the external forces, the darkness and the rough places. Uh, so there's a lot going on here in this passage. In the middle of all this, God says, I know that the, the lack of ability you have on the inside, and I know the chaos that you're facing out and around you. Dave, what do you got? You look like you got something good. So, I mean, even, even in the middle of all of that, even just, you know, looking at the internal things and the external things, the reason that they're in the situation that they're in, that they're about to be taken captive, God allowed that to happen because they had forsaken God. They'd built an entire lifestyle around self-dependence, whether it was taking advantage of other people and charging exorbitant fees for interest or literally sacrificing their children to other gods. There, there was a lot of stuff that was taking shape that wasn't good things. They built a lifestyle around sin instead of a lifestyle around following God. And so God said, okay, you want to do that? I'm going to step back. There, the truth is, is that it doesn't matter what we walk through. There are real consequences for sin, and God will allow those to take shape. But in the middle of that, he doesn't want to abandon us. He doesn't want to leave us. He will still step in in the middle of us wrestling with, with everything that we're wrestling with. He wants to lead us and guide us. And so the New Testament says that sin blinds us in some ways to the truth, but God still wants to guide us through that to find hope in faith. And I I love this passage for that reason. There's also some um, Older Testament allusions, not outright references, but, um, you know, when you get to that phrase, along unfamiliar paths I will guide them, there's a little bit of an echo of Abraham there. That God takes him from Ur the Chaldees and say, "You're going to go away that you don't know." Um, I mean, how do you how do you determine a route of travel if you don't know what the destination is? God God doesn't give that to Abraham, so he says, "Just trust me, 
You're going to go down this unfamiliar path. There's also a, a echo of the Exodus here, turning darkness into light. And as the Israelites moved out of Egyptian captivity into the desert of Sinai, a pillar of cloud led them by day, a pillar of fire by night. And when they were to travel at night, the fire would give them just enough light to see that next step. And I think that's the way God often works. Is he doesn't give us the whole picture, doesn't reveal the whole journey to us. He gives us just enough light to do the next right thing. And then when we take that step, then there's just enough light to take the next step. Very much so that, that also allusion to Psalm 119, where, where your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. That, that God does want to guide us, but it's not that he wants to guide us and give us the whole picture at once. He wants us to still be dependent on him to take it one step at a time. So many times we build our lives in self-dependence and even more so as, as American Westerners, we like to think we can do things all on our own. Yep. We can climb the career ladder. We can achieve all kinds of success by our own achievement. And when we lean into God and his strength, that's when we find new levels of hope. But sometimes God doesn't give us the full picture. He doesn't show us the full career ladder that we want to see, whatever that looks like. He wants us to lean into him day by day, moment by moment. Yep. And so... Even when we lack the ability to see the future, even when we lack experience to know what we're doing. By the way, I think everybody at some point in their life feels like an imposter. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but I, sometimes I've, I've woken up as a pastor and I go, man, maybe this is the week people find out that I have no idea what I'm doing. Doctoral, my doctoral program yeah. feels like an exercise in being an imposter day by day, moment by moment. Wow. Yeah, I've actually talked to your professors about that already. We've, we've discovered Dave. You oh, have good. no idea what you're doing. Good. That's yeah. true. I don't. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I'm just trying to figure it out. Well, the freedom is, is when you realize everyone feels like that to a degree. I mean, you take new parents. New parents go, we have no idea what we're doing. You figure it out as you go. Yes. Okay. You, you figure it out. And every new phase is the same thing all over again. Yep. And God says, I'm, I'm going to be there. And that's, that's the really kind of the light bulb moment for this as I studied this passage, and I maybe parsed it a little bit more than what it should be parsed, but it's so easy to focus on being blind and the unfamiliar paths and the darkness and the rough places, but the verbs here used to describe God, what God will do. Pay attention to those. I will lead. And then it goes on to say, I will guide. And it says, I will turn. I will change things. And I will not forsake you. These are all very active, aggressive verbs used of God to say, you might think I'm far away and distant, but I'm right in the middle of this, and I'm working in ways that you can't even understand at the moment. Absolutely. I love that. I, and that's, that's the truth. Sometimes when we feel the most distant from God, God is wanting to be right there, and sometimes he is right there. We just we can't see him because we're stuck in the middle of the storm. Yeah, there's a, there's a great piece of poetry, gosh, I think it's Mary uh, Gardner who said this, and I've often quoted it, so I go on not knowing, I would not if I might, I would rather walk with God in the dark than go alone in the light. Rather just, if, if I had my choice, now, sometimes my instinct is, hey, I just want there to be light, but if I'm in the dark, I think I'd rather be with God in the dark than to be by myself and understand everything that's going on. Yes. Wow. What a profound poem. It's good. That's it's you know it's just a good memory. So, um, listen, Dave. I, so this is the one I'm teaching on Isaiah 42. Just kind of give us a little peek ahead because uh, 
next week you're going to be teaching, and so yes. you're going to do your favorite passage. What what you got? What is your favorite passage? Philippians 3, verses 8 through 11, where, where Paul is talking about, I count everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. Uh, I want to know Jesus. I want to be found in him, deriving a righteousness not of my own, but that through Jesus. Uh, I want to know Jesus, the power of his resurrection, to share in the fellowship of his sufferings, to somehow attain resurrection from the dead. It's a powerful passage, I think, that speaks to all of us in, in our quest for looking for an identity, in a quest for looking for legacy, in in a world that, that says around us that we find worth and significance in our jobs, in our status, in the vehicles that we drive, in the homes that we own, and everything else, say what really matters the most is building a relationship around Jesus, and we can find greater worth and purpose and significance there. I want to know Jesus. And so you set me up rather nicely. So we are recording this. Uh, this teaching will be a Sunday morning, April 24th, but this episode will probably drop either later on today or tomorrow. We're recording this on the 12th. So if you're listening to this before April 14th, that'll be our service of darkness, 7 p.m., Easter Sunday on the 17th, 8, 30, 9, 45, 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock. 11 it is, I want to know Christ, the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, and that's what we'll do in the service of darkness, and the power of his resurrection is what Philippians 3 says, and that's that's Easter. So those are two sides of the same coin. Both of those are part of the, the essential nature of the good news of the gospel, that Jesus was crucified, died, buried, resurrected, and appeared, and we get to relive that this week. Yes. We got anything else, guys? We good? Brad, you good? All good. Oh, Brad, uh, let's just bookend this. Yes, sir. So is your mic open? It is now. All right. So um, why don't you tell your other Brad joke uh, that you told? What do you call a retired miner? I guess I just told it. Brad, let's take it from the top. Just forget I said that. Brad, tell your joke. What do you call a retired miner? What, what, what do you call a retired miner? Doug. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> we're going to end the Pastor's Cut podcast this week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and grant you peace now and forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.